a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in theory. An anomaly, properties undiscernible. This uh, edition of the uh, Million Dollar Plan is your email. See, you guys email me all the time. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. So we're doing this entire episode. We're going through and answering some of your emails. I got choices. I could sit down and pin you a response. Or just make it part of the podcast. So that's what we're doing. Uh, podcast slash radio slash, slash TV show at PeteThePlanner.tv. So that's what we're doing today. Now, if you're listening to this right now and you think, well, I'm going to send him an email right now and he's going to read it uh, uh, on, on air in this episode, then you don't understand, understand the space-time continuum. And that's an issue because uh, by the time you see this, well, it's recorded. And that moment has passed. So here we go. The first email. We're just, I have not read these emails prior to uh, opening here uh, on the show. So who knows what's going to happen? What always makes it interesting. <clears throat> the first email sent to our email box is from a guy named Andrew. Kind of a long email, but I think it looks interesting. Hi, Pete. I discovered one of your articles in USA Today about six months ago and have been systematically listening to your podcast and reading your books and blog posts ever since. Oh, then you'll see this or hear this. You get what I mean. Uh, because of your materials, my fiance, you know, he didn't put the little thing over the E in fiance. Nicole, is the thing over the E or the A in fiance? Do you know? I want to say it's the E. I feel like it is too. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, my fiance and I have decided to aggressively pay off her student loans prior to saving for a down payment on a house. I'm down with that. However, buying a house is a goal of ours. Cool. Uh, throughout many of your podcasts, you mentioned that buying a house is a consumer spending financial goal. Uh, further, you have cautioned individuals on your podcast to be careful when calling a house the I word in investment. Uh, this seems to contradict the fact that principal payments on a mortgage uh, is included in the power percentage calculation. Interesting observation. Uh, further, I have not heard you steer people away from the goal of homeownership with the two caveats to that being, number one, avoid starter homes, and two, being a lifetime renter is not the worst thing in the world. In your opinion, does equity in a home increase one's net worth? In 18 to 24 months, when I begin saving for down payment, how should I be thinking about the prospects of home ownership in my financial journey? Are mortgage principal payments only included? Is the power percentage calculation because they are reduced debt obligations, not building equity home, or is it both? Thank you for helping me get focused on my financial goals and moving up my million dollar day. Andrew, man, I don't want to start handing out awards, but that's one of the better questions we've received. Uh, all right, so let's work through this uh, point by point here. Yes, you know, I do have a pretty big focus on housing as it relates to your financial life. Uh, and, there, and there's a reason for that, and I'm going to touch on it briefly, and then and we'll get to some of the questions. Uh, some people can make brilliant housing decisions. And, and when they do that, they either happen to buy a property in a not-so-hot area that then gets hot and they make a lot of money, or when they finance a consumer purchase, which happens to build equity, um, and retain equity, they finance it in an intelligent way. 
which in my opinion means either A, a 15-year mortgage, or B, a 30-year mortgage in which you either A, pay more, or B, subtitle B, we're we're really down the uh, outline chart here, uh, is that you pay the 30-year mortgage and then invest the difference, uh, like in the market, the stock market, between the 15 and 30-year payments. That got confusing, didn't it? So, um, Number one, I think when people use the I word when they buy a home, usually to justify something that they know they shouldn't do. Okay, so now if you're doing an investment property, that's one thing. Right. If, if you say, well, uh, for instance, I have a rental property, which I, I uh, consider an investment. Or if you flip homes, that's an investment. If you plan on living a place for just a few years because you know that market and you know that that uh, particular house uh, home value will increase over time, arguably that's an investment. But when I hear people say investment about housing, it, it's again, a, usually in this thing of, it may not be the best decision, but if I call it an investment, it'll be a good decision. So you don't want to do that. You've got a fiance, so there's another uh, category of spending or category of uh, the people use when they use the investment word incorrectly, and that is engagement rings. People often say, well, you know, I spent more than I wanted to, but it's an investment. And what? What? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to be like... Hey, uh, honey, we're, it's our fourth anniversary tonight. Uh, we're having a nice chicken dinner because I believe chicken is the protein of the four year anniversary. And, uh, I think it's time to sell your ring. No one's ever said that an engagement ring is not an investment and don't start with me. It's an investment in a relationship. That's just stupid, right? This this idea of like, uh, how much do you love me? Well, I love you two months worth of my uh, salary. That's how much I love you. But like, if you're broke, Let's say you're broke and you want to get engaged and you're like, well, I can afford a $400 ring and you buy a $400 ring and then the fiance says, well, how much do you love me, Gary? And, and you're Gary and you say, eh, but 400 bucks, <laughs> right? See the problem there? Uh, so don't call an investment or, or pardon me, an engagement ring an investment. You don't want to call a, a home that you plan on living on in a long time necessarily an investment. Although it is a wise financial move if you do it the right way. I, I do agree with uh, Andrew's um, observation that I want you to avoid a starter home. They usually are, are built uh, not as well. You, you um, will grow out of them very quickly. I'd rather you buy, uh, establish yourself and, and buy a home that you think you could be in. I used to say for five years. I'm going to go a little bit further now and say 10 to 15 years, at least let your family get into it. Um, and I don't think life to be in a lifetime renter is the, the worst thing in the world, but I will say at some point in time, I want most people to buy a home. I just want them to be ready to buy the home. Uh, some of the other questions within here, um, are mortgage principal payments only included in the power percentage calculation because they are reducing debt obligations, not building equity in a home. That's funny. You ask that because it's a little bit of an accounting trick. So, um, I include principal payments uh, in the power percentage. And if you don't know what power percentage is and you're listening to the first time, go listen to the episode 
120, episode 120 of the Million Dollar Plan podcast that will give you full explanation. Or go to PeteThePlanner.com slash power dash percentage. That's PeteThePlanner.com slash power dash percentage. Um, the, the reason is, is you, re, you eliminate the obligation to pay your mortgage by making the principal payment. So yes, it does reduce your debt. Yes, it does build equity. But on a balance sheet, those things actually balance each other out. And technically speaking, and I got into this discussion with a group of accountants in San Francisco once. Yeah, I'm a pretty good time. Um, paying your mortgage actually doesn't increase your net worth because you're taking uh, cash that you have on hand to uh, pay your mortgage, uh, which uh, the way the functionality works is that doesn't necessarily increase your net worth. However, I like to say that it does. I'm technically wrong, I want you to know. But from a training behaviors financially, uh, it's what I want you to do. So this was a confusing answer to a very clear question. (laughs) What I'm saying to you is this. Um, Put your principal repayment whether you pay the normal amount or extra within your power percentage. And the reason it is there uh, is because it, it forces you to eliminate that obligation faster. My mortgage and what I pay towards my mortgage, my thought when I try to make that payment every month is how soon until I no longer have to make this payment. Does that make sense? And the use of your income is what will eventually eliminate that payment. So yeah, be a homeowner, have some money to put down. I don't think you have to put down 20%. You will run into PMI. And I know, I think we have a question on PMI coming up in the next segment. Um, there are other ways to avoid PMI, which is private mortgage insurance, but at least have 10% and, and make sure you still have your emergency fund on the side. Andrew, thanks for your question. You know what, as it, it is, as I look down and I've just uh, answered this question over the last eight minutes or so, and I'm pretty sure I, I answered it in a very confusing way. I'm just pretty sure of that. Uh, Nicole, just to verify, 1 to 10, 10 being that was a good answer, 1 being you're actually more confused than when we started. Where are you on this scale? I would go a solid 8.5. Okay, so it was a, okay, and you're not just saying that because I gave you guys a four-day weekend? No, not at all. Okay. That, that was not in the consideration. Okay, so it was decent. Yeah, absolutely. Nicole, you are going with four-day weekend. You're going to a music festival. I am. And so, um, is there anyone my age at a music festival? Yeah. There are, and like, what are those, are, are those the people that are passed out or the people that are the roadies for the bands? Like what happens there? Definitely roadies for the bands. I wouldn't say passed out. No, you, you guys are seasoned professionals at this. Do you do like a bohemian sort of dance thing with your arms that like, that's, I always yeah. think people at a music festival, you have to dance with your arms over your shoulders. If you don't dance with your arms over your shoulders, you're, why even dance at all? I have to admit, and then, uh, and then we'll go to break here, a dance, uh, a music festival is my worst nightmare. <laughs> I don't like crowds. I don't like people that are intoxicated uh, in public. Um, and uh, it's outside, which makes me sweaty. So uh, Maybe one day. Yeah. So anyway, well, good luck. Have fun at that. Uh, coming up after the break, uh, more of your questions. You can email me questions. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. In a future episode, we will read them and hopefully answer them. Uh, I'm Pete the Planner, and this is The Million Dollar Plan. Stop what you're doing. Log on. And hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Never question the right of any man 
sound of voice, his opinion is strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in, camouflaged by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again. Put down the We're back on the Million Dollar Plan. I'm Pete the Planner. It's the, uh, the mailbag edition of the Million Dollar Plan, answering your questions. You send me a lot of them. Sometimes you send me stories that are sort of sad stories. In fact, uh, I, I, I took a quick preview uh, during the break of the email I'm going to read your next segment. It's really just a comment, and it's a really smart comment, and it is... Um, oh, you'll just have to wait for it. That's called a tease. All right, uh, this is from Patrick in Kansas City, Missouri, where it turns out I'm going tomorrow. This would be a bad time for me to publicly say how awful the Kansas City Airport is. I think it would be unprofessional for me to say that it looks like it was designed by Mike Brady uh, from the Brady Bunch uh, and that it is basically just a big disc of disappointment. I will not say that publicly as rude. Anyway, Patrick, hopefully you don't work for the airport authority because that could just get weird. Uh, first off, I enjoy reading your articles, Peter. What are you, my mom? Call me Peter. Uh, I find them not only informative, but overall sound advice at a time when I feel a lot of people are neglecting their retirement savings. That's true. Personally, I believe I'm on the right tack towards my retirement goals due in large part uh, to the investment advice I've received along the way from uh, my dad, uh, who has always preached to me about savings. My question is this. I have a 401k, a Roth IRA, an HSA, and fun money uh, account through an online brokerage firm. After nearly eight years of having an FHA mortgage, I still have not attained the 20% equity needed to eliminate the dreadful private mortgage insurance, also called PMI, that I pay every month, which is around 75 American dollars. Given what I think my property is worth, I believe I'm roughly $4,000 shy of hitting that number. The investments in my fun money account are doing quite well, but as of late, I've been pondering the idea of selling some assets taking those proceeds and applying them towards the principal of my mortgage loan to hopefully get rid of my PMI. I have no intention on selling the property anytime soon. Does this sound like a logical approach to my current situation? I like this oh, end of end of question. How do I end? Uh, full stop. I've mentioned how annoying the phrase full stop is to you, right? It's the worst. Full stop. Uh, so let's dig through this and let's look at how you would make this decision. So typically, if you look at $75 a month, it's costing them, what, $900 a year uh, in private mortgage insurance at this point in time. Uh, and, and in order to get rid of that, he would have to lose $4,000 or get rid of $4,000. Before we go much further, it, it's important to understand, uh, Patrick, if you're thinking about doing this, I would want to verify with great certainty that putting $4,000 into it would do the job. I think typically you have to get the, the property reappraised and the PMI um, coverage recast. And when you do that, it doesn't always turn out the way you think. Like you, you say, uh, you believe your property is worth, uh, you know, within $4,000 of getting, re, getting rid of PMI, the bank may feel differently or an appraiser may feel differently. So be very careful there because then you have to pay for the appraisal and, and you could get in trouble. So tr try to try to get more uh, clarity uh, right there. I'm having a good job, uh, doing a good job of talking today, apparently. My words aren't coming out very smoothly is what I'm trying to say. I don't know why. Could be the level of caffeine I've consumed. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would look at it this way. 
uh, at nine hundred dollars a month, the, your PMI is tax deductible. So let's say you're in a you know a twenty five percent marginal tax bracket. Uh, that nine hundred bucks is only costing you what's the math on that? Uh, seven hundred and twenty five dollars or no seven hundred fifty bucks? Is that right? Man, my math is I'm all over the place today, everybody. So whatever nine hundred minus two hundred twenty five bucks is what that seven hundred and seventy five dollars a year. So that's the uh, that's one part of it is that you are going to have uh, a tax deductibility of that that PMI. Beyond that, when you say my assets, my fund money is doing really well, there's a couple things to consider here. That's super relative, right? Uh, are you getting an 8% rate of return? Are you getting a 30% rate of return? And you don't plan on touching that money anytime soon or moving from the property anytime soon. So another factor to consider here is what happens if the market hits the fan? And by hits the fan, you know what I mean. Like if, if, if the market tanks or corrects or whatever you want to call it, how does that affect your fund money investments? Are you in investments that are very susceptible to a market downturn? Are you in more creative, uh, separate things that would not be uh, greatly affected by the market? So that, that's, that's worth considering. Um, hmm. You know, another thing you could potentially do is you could pay a little bit more towards your mortgage and try to, to try to get it done that way. If you're, if you're concerned about getting rid of that PMI, but necessarily, not necessarily getting that rid of that PMI right now, you could just increase your mortgage payment to buy like 300 some bucks a month, 330 bucks a month over the course of the next year. You'd still have to pay the $75 in PMI. Uh, but at that point in time, uh, you would accomplish the same goal, but not be out the 4,000 bucks. Does that make sense? You'd have to use your regular income to accomplish it. That'd be an interesting way to go if you have the extra cash flow. I know no one likes paying PMI, but to uh, without knowing how much you have in your savings account or if you have a full emergency fund, I would have a hard time parting with $4,000 $4, just to get out of the PMI. I mean, unless you've got like 25000 bucks in, in a, your emergency fund or uh, in your fund money account, parting with that 4000 I would have an issue with. And by the way, if you did do it, if you did choose to do that, and that's, that's fine, you would have to do something great with $75 a month in order to make it really work. It would take you something like 50 some months to, to make yourself whole, like 52 months, I think is the math, by putting that $75 back into an account before you had your $4,000 back again. So step one, uh, make sure that that $4,000 is really all that's needed uh, by contacting your bank and, and, and seeing what the process would be. Number two, unless you've got like 25 grand in an emergency fund slash, uh, uh, fund money account, I would probably keep your $4,000. And if you do choose to do it anyway, make sure you at least uh, get aggressive refunding that 4,000 bucks. I cannot talk today. At various times in the, in, the, in the midst of doing this show here today, I'm like, I might just scrap the whole thing. I might just scrap it. I might just stop. But look, I'm going to push through. I'm going to persevere. Uh, this is off topic, but hey, you know how this show works. I uh, wrote a blog post this week at PeteThePlanner.com slash blog about uh, our yak. And when I talk about our yak, I am talking about my 2004 SUV with 200,000 miles on it that when we started up, it sounds like a yak screaming. Uh, so read that blog post, popular post on the blog this week. It really just talks about this idea of 
if I can stomach riding around in a 2004 because it's not the latest, greatest thing, which I can, and I can stomach for the next week or so until it gets fixed, um, my car sounding like a yak when you start it up, and if I can stomach paying 1000 to 1500 bucks to have that fixed, I'm pretty sure we can stretch that 2004 SUV for another couple years before we'd have to do something else. 200,000 miles on, it's a, a Japanese car company. It's a solid SUV. I hate having a car payment. Uh, and so we can make that work a little bit longer. Just so you know, I try to make the same personal finance decisions that I encourage you to make, right? I mean, I'm going to just be honest and I'm not going to name names. There are people in this personal finance space in which I live that tell you to do one thing and they do a completely other thing, right? Not me. I have a guilty conscience all the time. So I can't do that. My, my biggest fear professionally is to be a hypocrite. So uh, when I say don't have a car payment and in order to do that, sometimes you got to drive a car for 10 years, I mean it. Uh, and so what my wife and I, when we sort of made this decision this week, what we decided to do is to uh, uh, put a thousand, twelve hundred, whatever bucks into it to make the yak stop screaming. And over the course of the next two years, uh, we're going to try to set aside a thousand dollars a month uh, to uh, put $25,000 aside so we can buy a car because I like to buy cars with cash. And I typically buy a car that is three or four years old uh, and then drive the bejesus out of it. So... There we go. I answered my own question during the answer your question section of the show. Uh, coming up after the break, I'm going to read you an email that's really poignant. I really want to work through it with you. It has to do with health care and the importance of good health care coverage, which is timely given what's going on in our country with health care. If you did not see the episode, it's episode Nicole's at 43, 46 with Paul Ashley. Do you happen to know? Episode 44. 44. That's what I didn't think. So uh, 44 episode uh, with Paul Ashley. We, we explain the current health care bill. Really interesting stuff. Here's what I learned from that show by having Paul on. I had nothing to do with it. I think financially I would be better off if the new health care law passed. However, um, I'm comfortable not benefiting financially from that bill being passed because I'd rather tens of millions of people have health care at an affordable price. Affordable is a completely relative term, but for my coverage to be $400 more a month versus someone else's being $20,000 a year, which are some estimates of people in their 60s, uh, what the, the Medicaid shrinkage would cause, watch the episode, episode 44 on PeteThePlanner.tv, and you can get some perspective on health care and how it would affect you uh, specifically, then you can make a decision for yourself of how comfortable you with, uh, it, with it you are. See, I can't talk today. This is just how it's going to be. Coming up after the break, more of me tripping over myself verbally. This is The Million Dollar Plan. I'm Pete the Planner. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher, ATFU, Naptown, yeah. Yeah, y'all ain't hip yet. Cash 
cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of boss player. Not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me Gary Indiana game. Grew up around the country, but the mindset was there. Ain't I won't complain about a damn thing on this beat. Back on the Million Dollar Plan on Pete the Planner. It's mailbag edition. We do this uh, every month and a half or so. Uh, so if you want to email me, do it. Uh, but wait until you're not uh, driving. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Here's what usually happens. I get a question. I either email you back. Very rare these days. Sorry, just being honest. Or uh, we do it on the show. Or I might even answer it in my USA Today column. Um, so this one is from, uh, Ellen, Ellen regarding your recent column on three favorite financial products. You mentioned HSA, uh, HSAs as the third uh, favorite financial product. I fail to understand why financial planners do not promote health insurance as the number one priority for financial security. Uh, there was a lot of fuss about people who don't need insurance being required to purchase it under Obamacare. When you have a spouse diagnosed with stage four cancer at 45, you realize not only the cost involved in treating this, but also the number of people the same age or younger in the same situation. For some reason, people understand the need for auto and homeowners insurance, but not health insurance. If we're all able to predict when we would need any of the things, life would be wonderful. You know, this is a fascinating email to me. She's exactly right. Um, health care coverage, and especially since it's, it's sort of the big buzz in our country today, um, I think people underestimate the value of it, especially healthy people who are doing okay financially. And I would also say uh, when we look at decisions being made for others by our government officials, oftentimes they'll say, well, just stay healthy and you'll be fine. Or, um, this is an incentive to take care of yourself. And I know it's set up that way. And I know since I'm currently healthier, I feel like my coverage should be potentially a little bit cheaper than a person is that is not as healthy as I am, uh, which, which is you get into risk pools and all those sorts of things. But the reality is my, my health could turn on a dime. My, my health could turn on a complete dime. And in that moment, um, there's nothing I could do about it. Like if I get cancer tomorrow, um, did I do something bad to not take care of myself and now I deserve to ruin my financial life? I don't know. She, she asked an important question and she raises an important, uh, important points. I'll just say what I'm doing personally in, in relation to this. When I talk about a health savings account being a, a good financial product, what I mean by that is I know that I will not always be as healthy as I am today. And short of getting in better shape, you're sort of on this journey of getting less healthy the older you get. Not to, not to uh, rain on your parade as you listen to this today. We just get less healthy because you're just getting closer to being dead, right? You just do. So at some point in time, I'm going to need a lot of money available for healthcare. As it stands now, if I had a major healthcare expense, I would hit the deductible on my HSA, uh, using my HSA to fund that, and then my health insurance would kick in. Okay, so that's good. But what I don't want to do is to be so short-sighted that I don't realize that just because I'm good now, I won't be good later. 
which is exactly why I consistently max out my HSA because I want a big pool of money in there. So when I retire and potentially my expenses are different than they are now, and my health is different than it is now, that I have the means to pay for it without compromising my retirement money to pay for healthcare because I can more uh, efficiently pay for healthcare using the HSA then than using my 401k or Roth IRA or whatever else I'm using. Uh, so I completely agree with Alan. Now I will not say I think health insurance is everyone's number one financial priority, but I do agree with her that it's completely undervalued. Interesting perspective. Now I had another, uh, I had a conversation this week with a, a friend and we, we started talking about life insurance and, and, and she said, what responsibility do you feel to leave money to your adult children? And, and we've talked about this on the show before, but I just thought it was interesting. And, um, she felt pressure for no particular reason, but felt pressure to make sure that when she passed away, when her children were grown, that they would get something to remember her by. And, and I, th I think that's interesting. And here's what I'm not going to do. If you feel one particular way, I'm not going to say you're wrong because it's none of my business. If, if you want to leave money to your adult children for whatever reason uh, and, and to do whatever they want with it, that's completely on you. All I can do is give you my perspective and give you my rationale. Um, when my kids are out of the house, based on how we've built sort of our financial lives, um, I don't necessarily need life insurance at that point in time because I will have built the amount of money, the amount of wealth or assets or whatever you want to call it to be somewhat self-insured so that when my kids are out of the house, if something happens to me, we're good either way, right? My wife is fine because she will have money because uh, we are saving money very aggressively right now. Now, when my kids are 25, 30 years old, 22 years old, I don't feel the need to make decisions within my financial plan to provide for them to set them up. The way I'm choosing to set them up is to show them how to do this. I think I'm going to trivialize it by oversimplifying it here for a second. To some degree, this is the give a man to fish, teach a man to fish conversation. You know, I could give my kids fish, lots of money when I die, or I could teach them how to fish, which is what I'm doing as a parent right now. That's my theory. If your theory is different, awesome. Um, but I'll also say this, if my parents left me money right now, while if they were to pass away, um, great, but I wouldn't expect it. And if they didn't, I wouldn't care at all, right? I wouldn't feel like, how dare they live on this earth and then die and not leave me something? No, they've left me plenty, right? I mean, they, 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 they've helped develop me as the, the person I am, good or bad, right? And so that's sort of my promise to, to my kids. You know, if you look at some of the, the, the wealthy, the great wealthy people of this country, the Warren Buffetts of the world, who's everyone's sort of icon of wealth, they hold a similar viewpoint that you don't necessarily need to set your future generations up with millions and millions and millions of dollars, that the goal really is to, to show people how to be uh, independent on, on their own. Now, lots of people disagree with me. Lots of super smart people disagree with me on this. I'm just going to ask you to ask yourself the question, what, what, what do you want? Uh, I assume you're an adult listening to this show. We're not big in the 10 and under demo, probably because of... Uh, mild profanity that I sometimes use. Uh, 
But ask yourself, what, what, what do you want? And how does that affect the type of life insurance you have? How does it affect your plans? I'm going to pay for my kid's college education. I'm going to give them a nice childhood. Yeah, they'll probably have to deal with some therapy at some point in time. Uh, but beyond that, I'm down. I'm out. I'm good. You know what? Uh, I will encourage you. I'll send you a Hallmark card every once in a while when uh, times get tough. Uh, but beyond that, I think I think our our relationship here financially is is done. Uh, now, does that make me a bad person? Yeah, probably. You know what makes me a bad person though is when I'm in an elevator lobby and there's a person like 25 feet behind me, and I aggressively press the closed door button. That's what makes me a bad person. Not not leaving kids uh, money to my kids. Coming up after the break, we're gonna do the biggest waste of money of the week, and I think we got time for a news story as. Well, this is the Million Dollar Plan, and I'm Pete the Planner. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole. Even in the middle of the pain, even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane. Writing and creating for my life, and my pen is my sword given by the Lord. And I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I gotta do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. Let me remain Back on the Million Dollar Plan, I am Pete the Planner. This week's Blom, biggest waste of money of the week is... A lot more fun if you're PeteThePlanner.tv. You can see me read it. I don't know. It's called the uh, Do... Oh, boy. It's an Italian word. Uh, hmm. Da Delamo Block Marble MacBook Stand. Made to order using Staturio Marble sourced from a quarry outside of Carrera, Italy. The Delamo Block Marble MacBook Stand is a perch worthy of Apple's stunning design. Each stand takes roughly seven hours to make in a series of steps that can take as long as two weeks to complete. Oh. Available in different versions for the 12-inch MacBook and the 13- and 15-inch MacBook Pro, it weighs between 13 and 22 pounds and sits on polyethylene feet to protect your desk and ensure it stays in place. Now, here's what this says, y'all. It's a slanted piece of marble. How much would you think a slanted piece of marble that you can't pronounce to hold your computer? What, what do you think it's going to cost? $3,600. I repeat, to buy a slab, $3,600 for a slab of marble to set your MacBook on. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes I read ridiculous items uh, different bombs on this show. Uh, but that is a terrible use of money. In fact, I want to compare it to another possibility, which was almost the biggest waste of money of the week. But in comparison to that piece of marble, it's a lot better. It's the endangered species private jet safari. Plenty of safaris give you a chance to see amazing animals in their natural environments. 
The Endangered Species Private Jet Safari does them one better by connecting you with experts who help you get a better grasp on what's being done to protect the most vulnerable species. The trip begins in Nairobi, then heads to the Maasai Mara National Game Reserve, where you'll meet with both a cheetah and a lion expert during a two-night stay. Uh, you'll then head to the famous Samburu Elephant Watch Camp for another two nights. Other stops include Lake Apia. Why do I can't pronounce any of these words? And Lua to see and learn about wild dogs, rhinoceroses, uh, crocodiles, and hippos. Between each stop, your plane will fly low, giving you a unique bird's eye view of the savanna before heading you back to Nairobi for your trip home. $9,875. A person. Now, I'm going to be honest. That's a better use of money than a $3,600 slab of marble. But you know what's better than all of these? A ticket to the zoo. Costs like $25. bucks. you are telling me there's not animal experts at the zoo? Indianapolis Zoo. We got cheetahs. Let's go through the list here. We got cheetahs at the zoo. We got, uh, we got lions, right? We got... Uh, Wild dogs? I don't know, but just outside the zoo in like a, an impoverished area, there's some wild dogs there. Uh, rhinos? There's rhinos. Crocodiles? I don't know. Just go to a zoo. It's a better use of money, and that's why I'm here. I'm here for you. Uh, go to askpete at petetheplanner.com if you have a question. If you want to be on our podcast in which I fix specific areas of your financial life, uh, hopefully it'll be an episode in which I can talk that day, which makes it easier when you're in the media and you're broadcasting that the words set in a particular order matter. Uh, today was just unfortunately not one of those days in which my words made sense. But hopefully on the day we record, go to PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Apply for me to fix your financial life. That's all I got for you this week. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. Go to uh, PeteThePlanner.com uh, for more information. And of course, go to PeteThePlanner.tv to watch all of this live. And by live, I mean, it's taped. I can't talk. I'm done. I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Million Dollar Plan. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money life, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Released from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me E.T. Word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations. I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, trying can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, 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 I adjour
This I Salutations, I bring you love, Tron greetings from a far away land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, Tron can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?